Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another amazing installment of Morning Reload. From high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone, broadcasting to you from the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. As you no doubt have noticed, my voice is not exactly up to par, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. And what is hopefully going to be a long list of roundtables here at Cowboy State Politics, I sat down with Representative Scott Smith, Representative Tony Locke, Mark Jennings, and Ken Pendergraft to get their impressions of the first three weeks of the legislature. And we'll do that in just a second. But first, a completely obscene profit timeout. This episode of Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by 307 Cowboy Country. If you're in the market for a backyard shed to maybe put some of your summertime lawn tools in, or maybe you need a greenhouse or a garage, you should call my friends Bryce and Melody Reese at 307-441-1815. Montana Shed Center, Buildings for Life. Now, if you're in the market for a larger building, maybe a barn or a roping arena or a giant warehouse for your business, then you should call Morton Buildings at 307-674-2532. Those guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter what type of metal structure you've been thinking about. Give my friends Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532. Now, before we get to the roundtable discussion for this afternoon, just a couple of notes. If you haven't listened to yesterday's breaking news episode about Representative Cyrus Western and Johnson County Commission Chairman Bill Novotny being implicated in illegal election activity, make sure you go back and listen to that episode. My friends, it is going to be an interesting day at the legislature because we're only one day out of that breaking news. So I'll make sure that I bring you updates throughout the day. Keep an eye out on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. And on my Twitter account, the handle is at David Dom Iverson. This morning, the legislature is going to be discussing the governor's supplemental budget. So it's going to be a long day of budget amendments, and I'll also keep you updated on that. So like I said, in what is hopefully going to be a long series of roundtables here on the program, I sat down with representatives Scott Smith, Tony Locke, Mark Jennings, and Ken Pendergraft to talk about their impressions of the first three weeks of the legislature. Here is that discussion. I'm joined today by Representative Scott Smith, Representative Tony Locke, Representative Mark Jennings, and Representative Ken Pendergraft. Hi, guys. Hello. Good afternoon. (laughs) Thanks for having us, David. Hi, David. I'm glad you all could make it. So we've got three weeks in with the legislature. And I thought we'd just visit general impressions, what things you're, have piqued your interest, bills you're interested in. We'll just kind of go have a roundtable discussion about all of it. So, Scott, you want to start? Well, one of the bills that I am running is a lobbying restriction for the legislature um, to give uh, when resident or members of the legislature are done serving the people that they have to take a two-year cooling down period so that way it doesn't have bad optics for 
um, who have they been serving, uh, the lobbyists, special interest groups, or um, the people in their district? So, Mark, you've been in a long time. Is this is that a pretty common practice for people to leave the legislature and become a lobbyist? It's more this year than I've ever seen before. I've always seen a little bit of it, but uh, but I'm curious, Scott, are you getting pushed back on a First Amendment issue? Um, there's been several emails I've gotten. Um, most of them are from the Democrats in my district, mm. but um, I have a lot of good support from, especially the Republican Party in my district supports the idea. Yeah, there's, I, I think I counted five or six former legislators that are lobbyists this year. It's kind of, it's quite interesting how many there are. Well, and most of them, most of them registered as lobbyists before their term was over. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a little unethical. It seems very bizarre to me. Uh, I think, David, you did a, you or Ken did a, a story on uh, Representative Burlingame, who basically <laughs> remained a lobbyist the entire time she was in the legislature, which seemed really, that might not be exactly correct, but I remember the story. And I, well, she I may remember, as well have been. Yeah, well, she certainly um, lobbied for her agenda. Which, what do you think about it, Ken? I try not to, especially now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this. You know, it, anybody that's listened to your show or, or mine very long knows that I've watched the legislature pretty closely for several years. And it is odd how much different it is being on the floor and being in the inside of these discussions. It used to be that when a particular bill would come out, I think, oh, that's great. Now we've got something to work with, you know. And then it, I would kind of take a step back and just wait and see what happens. And I had a tendency to kind of do that in the first few days. And then I realized, no, wait a minute. You're the one that makes things happen. <laughs> so it, it, it's, a, it's a mind shift. It's a, it's a swap in a paradigm shift, I guess, would be a way to call it. Well, Tony, you're being pretty quiet. Oh, yeah. Well, being the new guy. First time for everything. <laughs> And, and not having a, a lot of political background before this, I'm really just the biggest part is getting the process, getting the procedure in place. The bills I ran were very simple, a couple of election integrity, simple election integrity cleanup bills. And then, of course, a couple of property tax bills. We know everybody's suffering from uh, getting beat up from rising property taxes. And being part of the Revenue Committee has been actually has been a great opportunity because some of those bills are going to be becoming some of those uh, property tax relief bills are going to be coming our way and hopefully I'll get an opportunity to help out there but a lot of it for us new folks just getting our processes procedures so we can make sure we can uh, <clears throat> keep up and make sure we can fight against the bills that are trying to uh, spend our great Wyoming people's money and uh, fight for the ones that make sure we preserve their freedom so that's that's the biggest part but Quite honestly, uh, it's definitely different than you think it is before you show up. So, what about you, Scott? Is it is it this, what you thought it would be, or is it different? Or well, I had the fortunate circumstance to be able to observe for the last couple of years from the gallery, a couple days of uh, at least one day a week for the sessions and the process. I get and understand, um, but the political side of things is different on the floor than up in the gallery. 
Um, I will say I'm blessed that we have such a large freshman group of people and the establishment type people like to keep newbies at bay and not really know what's going on or help you with the process. But I really feel like a large majority of the freshmen, we came because we saw a problem and we want to resolve it. And so like Jeanette Ward's the mask, uh, anti-mask and vax discrimination bill, um, I think that's a huge motivation for a majority of the 27 people that um, are freshman legislators. I mean, I know for me it's a personal thing because I quit a job over a face mask. So, well, I know in all the traveling I did last summer, and there was a lot of it, um, nothing set off the crowd more than talking about the uh, uh, Fairness in Women's Sports Act and mask and vaccine mandates. I mean, those were the two topics that Wyoming citizens were were most excited about. Or uh, excited probably isn't the wrong wrong word. Uh, furious about. Yeah, we we had a little get together the other day. Um, thanks to David. And in the introductions, because there were some people that were legislators there, and then some others that were in various positions. And they just introduced them. And one of the questions was, why did you get involved? Or why did you even get involved now? And virtually to a person, the COVID reaction to COVID, the government reaction to COVID, the overreach, was a major factor in virtually everybody that was there. Several of us have been kind of laying back thinking, one day I'll do this. Well, now it's time. And then other people, like my roommate Tony over here, had been kind of sequestered in his in his own little world, and that was enough to say, hey, it's now or never. Well, one of the comments that was made at that little get-together, and I, I, it took me, took me a few minutes to think about it, but the comment was, COVID may have saved America. Yes. What do you think about that, Mark? Well, I think, I think people were already wakening up, awakening. Um, I think you've seen that with the Trump. Um, we'd seen the country shift left through the Obama and Clinton years. And, and I think people were awakening to the problem that we're going to lose this country if we don't get involved. But then COVID just really drove that point home. And so I think it, I think it caused a lot more people to wake up and say, we're going to lose the rest of these freedoms if we don't engage. And I would strongly encourage uh, the public to go to YouTube and watch the legislative debates over this topic because all the reasons that we're using the constitutionality of our rights being stripped away, <clears throat> excuse me, is the same exact reason that the far left is using to say, oh, we can't vote for this because we're taking the rights away from businesses. And so it's more a protection of businesses than it is the individual person's rights. And one thing that was really striking for me is, I mean, I was here for here in Cheyenne for the entirety of the special session. And the arguments that were used during the special session were the very same arguments that were used in on Jeanette's bill and really anything that was related to COVID in the past three weeks. What was different, though, was 
they weren't effective anymore. And it was because we have so many, so many freshmen um, that are on the floor now. And that's, that's kind of a question I wanted to ask you, Mark. I mean, you've been in the legislature a long time and you, you've never had this many conservatives fighting with you. I mean, what's that like? It is a, a pure pleasure to have these new freshmen. They're, uh, the battle was um, somewhat weary at times, and now, now you have people that are well thought through. Um, they're learning. They, they won't always articulate it the way they maybe will when they've got a little more time under their belts. But l- let me tell you what, these people are smart. They're good. They adhere to uh, the values that this nation was founded upon. Those individual liberties, those Judeo-Christian principles that this nation was founded upon, and I couldn't be happier with with these guys. There, there's just a really good group of people. All right, guys. So let's just kind of go around the table and talk about what are the one or two things that have really surprised you. Whether it's a bill or maybe it's a procedure or what are what are a couple of the things that really shocked shocked you and let's start with ken i figured you'd do that because the only things i can think of i can't say here <laughs> come back to me all right let me let me i, I have one thing that kind of shocks me is listening to the debate on the floor and hearing the heart and the passion of some of these issues and sharing their constituents um, testimonies and how many people this has affected, especially the House Bill uh, 66 with the Vax and, um, or even the marriage bill. Was that was a, a good one. That was a big, big deal. And I felt like there was a lot of persuasive discussion about it. And I really feel like before the bill gets debated that people's hearts and minds are made up and there's no persuading it. You know, and so sometimes you feel like you're wasting your breath because it's not going to penetrate some of the rock hard hearts that it's receiving it. What about you, Tony? One of the things that I think so, from the beginning of training, <clears throat> the obvious approach of the system. So, we're playing a game that in many ways has already been set. It's been planned out and it's been prepped. And even in training, the whole concept was that you guys, you young people, you freshmen, sit here, we'll, we'll show you which way to go, where you need to sit, how you need to act, all of that. It's been really refreshing. And going back to what Mark said about the folks there, we now have a fantastic team being just with this many other like-minded, freedom con- loving conservatives, like-minded people, it has brought some great cohesion. And quite honestly, it's put us in a situation. uh, The other day, I was loving this. Um, I was thinking about how Mark, and in many ways, we're standing on the shoulders of the giants before us. We know that. But I was thinking about how tough it would have been if there'd only been 10 or if there'd only been 12. But I stood in a room, <laughs> endless, yes, but I stood in that room one, or I sat in that room one day, and the conservatives got up and hammered every microphone in there with some of the most compelling and incredible things. It was just, I don't know if it was shocking, but it 
really brings, uh, you know, increases, makes you feel good. It brings some real vibration to the room and really does start to make a difference because you can start to see people realizing, oh my goodness, our arguments are not carrying water. You're hearing them say things that are completely against our Constitution, and some of them are now realizing we're fighting for the wrong reasons. COVID's a perfect example. That's actually a point of attraction if you really look at it. Not only are they fighting against individual freedoms, but some of the reasons they're basing for this is not only are businesses, so they're saying they're making they're starting with a premise that says, you know, you have a responsibility to act a certain way for everyone else. That's what the business argument almost starts with. And then they're turning around and making federal dollars more important than your personal freedoms. So they're exposing themselves in this process because this group of people are hammering the issues. Anyway, for me, it's just a beautiful sight to behold. I see the same thing sitting in, you know, up in my perch in the gallery. You know, the last couple of years that I've been watching the legislature, you know, there just weren't that many conservatives. And, and you, can only, you can only make, this, make one argument so many times. And what's really refreshing to me is, you know, now there's, you know, what are there, 26, 27? Yeah. On a good day, 29. Um, and it's just one, one after another getting up and making yet another compelling argument that, you know, hadn't been brought up yet. And, you know, it, it really is refreshing to watch. For my part, I don't think there's anything that really shocked me. But one thing that has been kind of a, a I guess, a pleasant revelation is now that we do have so many good, really sharp compelling voices on the conservative side that the debate in my mind has has gotten much more interesting it when you look at the people that we are called to debate against they're very good they're very smart um, we we have this back and forth but instead of it being 20 on two now it's just about dead even. And to watch the faces of some of these people on the other side who have never experienced pushback like they're getting now, they've never been exposed in some ways like they are now, that's the fun of it. And I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm really enjoying this process. One of the other things that really surprises me is the lack of training and preparation for the incoming freshmen. Um, the legislative services did a three or four day training and before I went down I got an email and I read all the pages in there and we show up and they just regurgitate everything I just read. And so to me it felt like wow that was a waste. I could I read it in 20 minutes, but they drug it out for a whole day. Um, kind of like an opera. It, it very much, <laughs> yeah. And uh, then the things that we didn't get practical application on was how to use our computers to actually draft a bill 
and which office to talk to for the the lawyers and how to reach them <clears throat> but using our computers um, maybe even how to use the green books and look up previous statutes like none of that was explained to us it so I think there's um, a little bit of I don't know if it's done intentionally. I was just going to gonna in, ask. Do you think that dark. was done on sure purpose? Feels um, like it, 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 it feels like it that they want to set us up to fail. <clears throat> but I would say that we are blessed with enough uh, experienced people who have been in, like Mark, who is very helpful and eager. You know, so we just have to ask lots of questions because there's a lot that has been left off the table. There's a lot that has changed in that, and and um, the training that you got. I think when I got in, I th I think they had two or three hours. That was it. They they clearly did not want us, and so we've pushed and we've whined and complained enough that that some of that has moved. I will tell you that there's some of both. Some of it is just missed activity and some or you know learning. And other parts of it is probably by design. Uh, it's interesting to watch how that has changed. You guys are all have your budget bill, your supplemental budget bill. When I started, you know, five cycles ago, you didn't get that until Monday morning when they were ready to begin telling you about it. And then it was come and put on your desk. And so if you wanted to do amendments, you had a very short window to work on things. And so we complained about that enough that they now actually, in next year in your budget uh, year, that budget bill will be given to you, I believe, a week ahead of time. It's actually on your uh, available to you like a week ahead of session. And so some of those things are changed. So it's interesting to, to hear you say that because I totally agree. I mean, I, I look at that and there's so much more better training that can be brought about. And... Um, that's a goal. It ought to be a goal of, and, and I, I try and make it clear to especially the conservatives, but really I'm willing to talk with about anybody that what little knowledge I might have I'm willing to share. Well, and I'm counting on some of Mark's training <laughs> videos. He swears to me he has some, so I'm counting on him bringing those forward. <laughs> yeah. They're all in British, though, not English. <laughs> well... <clears throat> Jeremiah Johnson is in America. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right on that one. <laughs> what was the reference I was trying to make of it? Uh, yes, Minister. Yes, yes. So if you're listening to this and you want to know how politics really works, there's a little series called Yes, Minister. And then Yes, Prime Minister. Yes, Prime Minister, yeah. Because the Peter <laughs> Principle is alive and well. And, and for you, you newbies, you'll watch this and you'll say, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. I just ran into him. One thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about is, you know, as conservatives, we all tend to, oh, we all have pretty much the same beliefs about a, you know, a wide variety of topics. But one thing I'm curious about for you new guys is, have you found that people that come from different parts of the state look at things differently than you do? And if so, do you think that that's, is that surprising to you? Um, Ken? I've always felt like I was unique. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> the rest yeah. of us have thought that, yeah. too. I, I mean, I see things, and, and for the time growing up and stuff, I thought, well, everybody must see it this way. And then I find out the older I get, 
the more and more rare my perspective is. And so I'm a little bit baffled at times about, for one, why things weren't obvious to everybody else. And then at the same time, how come I never thought of that? It's, it's an odd, I'm just an odd duck, I guess. What about you, Tony? I actually have found that we are very different. Because you can definitely see different parts of the state have such a difference in where they focus. On the core things, I think the team is really good, rock solid, absolutely. But everybody thinks of this stuff a little bit different. I actually appreciate it from the perspective I've talked to folks who, who voted different than I did and expected. And it was really good for me to get a different perspective on why they did it. I, I felt like it, it does nothing but help me. Would I vote the same as them? Maybe not on some of those issues. But by the same token, it gives you a better appreciation for that diversity, which is definitely important. The day we all start voting the same, in everybody in that room, I'm definitely going to be worried. Well, it'd be like the Twilight Zone or something. <laughs> See, and, and I feel like there's the, the one thing that unifies most of us is our relationship with Christ. And so I think there is a unity um, because Christ unifies and... The Spirit of God in so many of us attracts one another. Um, and then when you lack the Spirit of God in you, there's other spirits there that you're just kind of like, hmm, okay, we'll keep an arm's length away there. But um, I really think a lot of the freshmen, it, it is neat that we are unified in our belief system. Some of us may be more Pentecostal, some may be more liturgical, some more may be more vocal and upfront with their faith. Some people may be, hey, I'll only share my faith if it comes up. But I will say the differences that we see are our life experiences. And so like there's been some bills that I voted different on based on doing prison ministry and having a little bit of compassion and seeing the men transform Are you saying on the that inside. I have no compassion? Did you vote different than me? So, uh, <laughs> Actually, I voted with you. On you that voted one. with yeah. me on that one. But, you know, I, I get to interact with some men in the prison, and there's like 45 to 60 people in our church services. And I do see the transforming power of God in their lives. And so extending a little bit of grace. I do believe that we have criminalized way too much, you know, and then with technology, um, they keep record of everything. So the things that um, people that are in a slightly different generation than me, um, and I'm looking at Mark and he uh, and Ken, they... <laughs> And I Tony. like how I escaped that uh, there for a minute. Wow. Tony, you just have this cloak. I'm older than all of them, so but you have this invisibility cloak about. But am I? But if you guys did something wrong when you were younger, the first thing that an officer may do is, "Hey, I'm going to take you home to your parents and let them take you to the woodshed and paddle your butt." Um, where now it's like, "Oh, you did something wrong. Let's prosecute. Let's criminalize you, and now you have a record for life." And so we've just gone to, I think, a little too far on the criminalization of everything. Because really, each one of us in this room are only one bad decision from prison ourselves. Or if so. you listen to the ATF, we're all criminals anyway. Uh, one thing, one thing that's <laughs> been very, now. one thing that's been very refreshing to watch 
is that there's a large group of people now that aren't afraid to talk about their faith. And it's, I mean, I, w- I don't know that it comes up every day on the floor, but it comes up often. And the argument is made almost all the time that the solution here is not more government, it's more God. And, you know, it's, it, again, it's just really refreshing to see people that aren't afraid to talk about their faith on the floor of the legislature. And, and we all know, like all of us sitting at this table know, that it's one of the biggest lies in government is that um, we can't have any religious influence on it. I mean, that's not what our founders meant at all. Mark? Let, let me uh, take you back in the conversation, because I agree with everything that Scott <clears throat> was saying there. But I, I want to take that same conversation and turn it to something that political that most people don't even think through. They'll take the, the Mike Enzi misquote of Reagan, and they'll say, well, if we can just get along 80% of the time, we're, we're all together. But Reagan's actual quote brings that back to on the core principles we agreed. That was the unifying part that, that uh, Scott was talking about, Christ in our lives. And um, on the political aspect of that, listen, if we went around um, 27 people, and hopefully more, especially with uh, core value issues, life. That's a unifying, and it should be a unifying thing to the people there, especially the conservatives and the pro-life people. And that's, that's one of those God issues that, hey, look, if we believe in life and the sanctity of life, that's a unifying factor. That's a core principle. When Reagan was saying that, it's the 80% was on the should we build a, a small modular nuclear reactor on the west side or should we build it on the east side? And do we work for prison reform um, in those communities? You know, it might be a different outlook than it is in a community that doesn't have that sort of thing near them. And so I think that that premise that Scott was talking about there is very reality very much reality. You can't, uh, a nation that divorces themselves from God, they're looking for serious trouble, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And look at what has happened to our culture as we've turned our face away from God. We've gotten into way more problems. And listen, this legislature is not going to solve all those problems. It's people taking responsibility and turning their lives back to... You, you did a brilliant thing on the floor the other day. And I'm not just buttering him up. Shut up. But no, well, that was the that was the best one. But no, he's Mark stood up, and he he said, basically in a in a kind of a sarcastic way. The war. Look how successful we've been on the war on drugs. Boy, we sure whipped that one. What about the war on poverty? When we really won that one, didn't we? And just pointing out the futility of trying to do what we do just by erecting laws and statutes and not by changing hearts and minds. And it's so interesting. Many of these bills that they're throwing out, that they're doing exactly that. We're going to throw money at a symptom. And that's the nice thing about this unifying uh, Holy Spirit and our belief in Christ. We understand that throwing that money out there is not going to solve these problems. But unfortunately, the government thinks it will. Not only will it not solve it, it will exacerbate the yeah. problem. In yeah. fact, government 
is because of the decisions we've made in the absence of faith has been the, is the driving force behind the problem. And unfortunately, that's not being seen by these folks because they have ignored this faith component, which is critical. Well, just look at the list of bills that are on the legislative website right now. I mean, there's roughly 300 of them in the House. I try to avoid that, David. Yes, I know you do. But look at the variety of topics that people are trying to address through the legislature. And, I mean, I I encourage anybody that's listening to this to go look at that list because there's a huge number of them that really, it is not the role of government to handle the vast majority of them. And like Mark said, you know, the... When government gets involved, it just makes the problem worse. And, you know, again, like Tony said, you just throw money at it and you assume that that's going to solve the problem. I, I, don't, I don't even know if they feel like it's going to solve the problem, but it makes them feel better somehow. I don't know how to solve the problem, but I do know how to throw money at it. So I'll do that and maybe I can sleep with myself. Because I, I just can't, I'm not convinced that they think they're actually solving anything. Well, and there's some truth to that. Because they they have not extended that thought to faith being the solution. They have no real true thought on what the solution is. They can't even go back and realize. They can't even look at the history of the mistakes that we've made to cause this. and, and to, to start the problem that have created the increase in suicide. The decisions are clear out there that have caused many of these these factors. And again... You're right. I don't think that they even see it, but it feels good to throw money at it. One one major thing that happened while you were talking about that is is that we have downplayed history. Listen, history is complete with example after example. You think our founders didn't understand a welfare system? They did. And that's why there was not a single social dollar put in the Constitution. Not one. They understood that that was, hey, look, it's, it is our obligation to reach out to our fellow, to our neighbor, <coughs> and express the, those principles that, that Christ gave to us, or the Bible gave to us. And um, they understood that it wasn't government's role. And, and unfortunately, the, the church has um, relegated that or given that up far too often. And government is all too eager to step in there. But most of the time, that is their solution. Here, let us take some money out of your wallet, and we'll go throw it at someone else. And so we'll feel good about it, and you can feel good that we stole your money and handed it to someone else. Well, guys, think about the, uh, the mental health bill that you just finished debating. And it Essentially, and what was the dollar number on it? I mean, it was a big... 11.5. Okay, it was $11.5 million that they were just going to throw at all of these schools, and it was to be used for mental health services. And one striking striking argument that was made, and I don't remember who made it, um, but the argument was, first of all, teachers are not counselors. Second, it is... Stivar. It was Representative Stivar. And that it's not the... It's not the job of the school to be counseling our kids and by the way this isn't a government problem at all rather it's it's a church problem it's that that's the only way that we're going to solve it or home or home yeah Yeah, that point was brought up several times and we're going back to something tony said earlier is 
a lot of the stuff, and, and you alluded to it as well, a lot of the stuff that we're let, trying to legislate on is not in the purview of good governance. You've got, you're been awful quiet over there, Scott. Oh. He started it. Well, I, I left it to my elders there. I'm just absorbing their wealth of isn't information. It, isn't it fun to be able to say that? Uh, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm feeling older by the breath. I just look young for my age. I won't really give it away. <laughs> well, guys, uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to visit and you know, give, give everybody just some insight on how you see the legislature. Um, and uh, once again, thank you for your time. So if you guys any, have any closing thoughts, we started over here. So, Ken? I've given enough of my thoughts for one day. Thank well, you, you don't have many to give. That's right. That's, I'm <laughs> clinging to what's left. I, and I will publicly thank you, David, for all that you do for the state of Wyoming. And even though I'm sitting in the legislature bombarded with bill after bill after bill, <laughs> having to vote on concurrences and trying to remember, ah, what, how was my vote before? And trying to gather all that up. You have a different perspective. You're able to see things from a, a 30 mile high uh, perspective. And so I still make sure I tune into to your podcast because it's like, oh, this is coming up. Oh, or this needs to die on the floor yesterday. And so I just appreciate all the work that you're doing. So thank you. I'm just blessed to be in a group of amazing, like-minded people and Christ-loving folks. And quite honestly, you put that many people uh, you know, through Christ and the Holy Spirit, the armor of God is powerful when you're around a group of folks like that. It's amazing. I've, uh, I've seldom enjoyed it more. And it is, it is interesting how God brings people together. David and I have known each other for a while, and Ken and I have known each other for a while. And, um, you know, we each have an integral part that God puts us in this. And this battle has... Uh, it's just begun, beginning to get really interesting because we've turned that, um, we've ratcheted that up. And um, the freedom-loving people are only going to get better in their argument. And I am very proud and very humbled that the people in House District 30 would send me again. Um, and very humbled to get to work with these people because they're very good people. And, and you too, David. If you're listening to this, and you're paying attention to your representative, as I did several years, and you don't like the way he votes, guess who needs to get up and run? Well, that'll about do it for this installment of Morning Reload. Have a good week, and we'll talk again on Wednesday. Now, like I said, keep your eyeballs peeled at CowboysStatePolitics.com, the Facebook page, and my Twitter account. There's bound to be a lot of updates happening in the next few days over what I released on yesterday's breaking news episode, so you don't want to miss a thing. But for now, from the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics. <laughs>